Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business show from the newsroom at Business in Vancouver. I'm Haley Wooden, executive editor at BIV. My guest today recently wrote a column that has turned a lot of heads. It's It's got a lot of attention from readers and online, and the article itself calls provincial health officer Bonnie Henry a spin doctor and accuses her of having spun certain facts and communications during the current public health crisis. I'm joined by the author today, Renu Bakshi is the founder of Renu Bakshi Communications. She previously spent two decades in journalism and is, of course, an occasional guest columnist for us at BIV. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, Haley. Appreciate it. This has been a bit controversial. I'd like to start by asking you what inspired you to write the column. What prompted it? When I tuned in, like everybody else, when the pandemic was started, I started tuning into the media briefings and there weren't that many back then. They hadn't become daily yet. I tuned into the media briefing on March 7th last year. And I, you know, like everyone, I wanted to know who's leading us and what's the plan. And now that we were seeing it's becoming a pandemic, it would only be a few days later that the world would uh, be, you know, it would be called a global pandemic. And so I tuned in and I um, watched Dr. Bonnie Henry addressing the media and addressing the current situation. And at this time, nobody had died at, uh, in BC and certainly not in care homes. Nobody had yet died. And she took to the podium and she got emotional and started to cry. I sat back kind of um, shocked. And I was like, wait a minute, this is the person that's supposed to be leading us in the, into a battle. And crying to me was uh, not a sign of confidence. Doesn't matter if she's it was a man that did that or a woman. So no, I don't want anybody to think that it was a gender bias. It wasn't at all. It was like, wait a minute, I, I kind of expect a confident person to lead us, you know, somebody who is confident about their ability, knows what they're doing, has been pandemic planning, uh, which presumably she had been for a quote long time. Those are her words. But she cried and I sat back as a crisis manager And I said to myself, she's not the right person to lead us through this. But immediately after that news conference, suddenly BC was following her uh, with blind support. Her tears won a lot of praise. It won a lot of headlines. You know, uh, emotional public health doctor wins praise, wins support, wins this, wins that. She had also proclaimed at that news conference that she was tired. And again, I sat back and thought, okay, if I was managing a battle for um, a crisis for a client, and it was going to be something ongoing, we had to appoint people to manage, I would not be appointing somebody who was crying and said they're tired. So I just lost the confidence. Anyway, I sat back. And as I said, in my article in my column in business in Vancouver, she proved me wrong, we had a really good first wave, relatively speaking. And, um, you know, she won BC support, again, blind support, she won it. And I thought, you know what, she's proven me wrong. And then wave two, wave three, and I started noticing a pattern of uh, communication. And that's when she lost me. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. If somebody were to study the way that she addresses the media, the way that she evades questions, the way that she words things, they would realize that she's actually a spin doctor. And that's very dangerous in a public health emergency. Mm. So I decided to write the column and I was super grateful to Kirk you know as you mentioned I contribute every now and then and I was super grateful to the editor-in-chief Kirk for being open-minded about that piece especially given the popularity of Dr. Boney Henry. 
And I encourage everyone to, we're not going to rehash every single thing that's in the column. You can find it still on BIV.com. You can Google Renu Bakshi and our website and you'll find it very, very quickly. I want to ask you about whether there were other things you couldn't include in the article. We are in certain instances limited by word count and spacing. You go in depth into, I believe, four instances of prominent spin doctoring, according to you. Is there anything else or other examples that didn't make the cut? Yeah, I'm going to put my glasses on because I'm going to read my list because this was one of the more difficult columns that I've ever written because keeping it under 800 words was so hard. It's a lot of discipline. Uh, you know, you're putting out extraneous words and all that. And, but I'm like, wow, this is just so tough. Do I include this or do I include that? And anyway, some of the stuff that I have included in previous columns, just in the terms, just in terms of leadership and key messaging is that her completely being absent on messaging towards youth and youngsters and saying that they were basically immune from COVID when in fact they went on to become the super spreaders. That was a huge missed opportunity that, uh, that multiplied our numbers exponentially. Uh, her talking about schools not being um, areas where this would spread, again, tying into her message of youth, that turned out to be completely wrong. I wanted to get into more about Whistler and her miscalculation before spring break. Uh, now we know through um, uh, enterprising journalism that public health policies played a role in the number of long-term care home deaths. That is something that, I mean, if I, if I write a part two, that will be included. I wanted to include in that article um, her book, she, you know, March 7th, 2020, she said that she's crying and she said that she's tired. Nothing had yet really started or happened yet. But yet in the midst of a pandemic, how did she find time to write a book? You know, I want to get in. I wanted to get into that a little bit. That's very self-serving. I mean, if you read um, social media comments about her book, that's basically what most people are saying when they comment about her book. Mm. The other thing is there's a YouTube video of her and interviews where she talked about pandemic planning for a long time. Where was that plan? I saw no evidence of it. BC saw no evidence of it. We were flying by the seat of our pants. Sure, this was a novel situation for the world, but it shouldn't have been because pandemics have been predicted. And with SARS being an indication and other moments in time, um, Bill Gates has been talking about a pandemic. Sorry, they were predicted. Where was the planning? And if there wasn't any planning, we certainly saw it. Uh, Bonnie shouldn't have been on YouTube saying she had been pandemic planning for a long time. We saw none of it. Hmm. Hmm. I, I don't want to cut anybody any slack here, especially undo slack. But of course, as you well know, if you're in a crisis, there are certain things you don't necessarily know at the beginning or your understanding of facts on the ground and what's happening changes. And the public has certainly felt that, right? For a while, we didn't know or had misconceptions about how the virus spreads or who can get it. You mentioned kids, whether they're immune or not immune was something that changed over the pandemic. Can we cut any slack to professionals who have to get out there and speak every single day and do their best with the facts at hand? Or are a lot of these missteps and, and instances of spinning something other than that? I think it's in her personality. It's innate in her personality. She is somebody who spins. I study communication. I've studied her. I understand human behavior. She spins. In a crisis, we can only go by the best current view. That's a fact. Things will change. Crises are dynamic. But brave leaders will say, hey, here's what we know today. That might change tomorrow, but here's what we know today. What we've heard from 
Dr. Henry is a very definitive masks don't work, don't wear them, I don't wear them, they're not going to protect you. But wait a minute, in 2016, you wrote in a BC medical journal for doctors that masks do work and they're a great line of defense equal to hand washing. Well, when the pandemic hit, you convinced BC that masks don't work. And then a few months after counseling them that they don't work, you were writing an op-ed in the Vancouver Sun saying they do work and we should wear them and they are a great line of defense. But what she didn't do is acknowledge that she had counseled otherwise before. And that's weak leadership. That's spin doctrine. A brave leader, an effective leader, a strong leader would have said, hey, I was counseling before based on my best current view that masks don't work. However, what we know now, why that's important for a number of reasons. A, it makes you a more honest leader, but B, it's important because what you need to do is make sure that in the minds of the public you're trying to lead uh, and trying to encourage to behave a certain way, you cancel that previous behavior. Yeah. Cancel it. Yeah. Hey, this is what I was counseling before. Forget that because here's what we know now. She just refuses to do it. She digs her heels in. She's just, uh, it's very narcissistic. That spin doctrine often comes from a place like that. It's deceptive persuasion. Uh, or being overly emotional, crying, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, being humble. But then when you watch and listen, she's not quite, she won't concede. She won't say she was wrong. She'll say, as I've always said, but no, you haven't always said it. I analyzed hours and hours of media briefings that she um, conducted to write that column for Business in Vancouver. And I'm like, how many times is she going to say, as I've always said, but no, she's not always said masks work. In fact, she counseled the opposite. No, you've never said the words airborne transmission. You've mm -hmm. never, and you refused to. It's very interesting. I take your point. I think it's a good one about canceling the previous narrative. And there's been a lot of confusion, a lot of misconceptions around how to proceed during the pandemic. And if there are previous statements out there that haven't clearly been you know, taken back or there isn't an update that's clearly labeled, people doing their own research might very well end up with a, a misinformed but well-researched conclusion. So I, I take that point. It would be uh, certainly helpful from a general public and even media perspective to uh, to have more updated and accurate information and phrasing around the facts. And it would increase her credibility, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody loves, uh, everybody can respect an honest leader. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, if you look at the social media uh, reaction, it's anything but the support for her has waned. It has waned considerably. There's very few people on social media these days uh, repeating her mantra of be calm, be kind, be safe, that's gone. And, it, you know, some people might say it's just pandemic fatigue now. It's more than that. People have started to see through her. She's evading media questions. You know, after um, the, the reports were leaked from the Center for Disease Control and the media the next day at that briefing uh, asked her pointed questions about, wait a minute, you said you were sharing all the data you could, and she was spinning her response, you know, the editor-in-chief of, of Business in Vancouver had tweeted that there was um, bending truth and patronizing. The Vancouver Sun's reporter who broke that story uh, tweeted that the news conference had, she had been gas, Bonnie Henry was gaslighting. The Canadian press said patronizing, lies, like whatever the media was saying, nobody was being kind anymore. They, everybody was seeing now through this, this is spin. 
for her to say all that information has always been available. Oh, we were going to make it available. We were preparing those reports. It's a lie. It's an outright lie. You can see how passionate I get about this. I get so passionate because it's, first of all, very dangerous for the public to collectively follow a leader blindly. You know, you don't know where that leader is taking you. You can't follow blindly. You've got to have critical thinking. You have to ask the right questions of accountability, especially when something doesn't make sense. The media has taken a long time to get on board asking her clarifying questions. Everybody's sort of let that let her slide on that, likely because it was an, it was unpopular to criticize her. If you criticized her, you're canceled. You don't want to risk that. So you just don't even go there. But it's done us a great disservice. That's why I got—I just got so tired of it. And I wrote that article and I called a couple of my friends, they're lawyers, and I said, listen, I'm about to write this column. The editor has given me permission and I'm going to do it. And here's what I'm thinking about writing. And I know the risks. The risks are that I'm going to be just completely, quote unquote, canceled on social media as, as being, uh, how can I be a hater? You know, she's like a godlike for us. But the truth is the truth. And I said, I think BC's ready. I think they're they're scared to say it, and I'm going to just say it. I'm going to. When I tweeted it, I was like, "Here we go!" But the truth <laughs> more important to me than being counseled. I, I I'm going to do it. Can't take it back. And I will tell you, till now. And I, when did that article publish? Three weeks ago now. Thereabouts, yeah. Approximately. Till now, there has only been a handful of people defending. Bonnie Henry, only a handful. And reaction to that column has been fierce. And it's all been in favor of that article. And people are relieved that now members of the media are starting to scrutinize the language more, uh, the spin, they're starting to question it. And they're holding to her to account. You know, I think that the day that she walked away from the podium, she huffed at a veteran, credible Credible veteran journalist Ian Bailey from the Globe and Mail asked her a question about her book. She didn't answer it, so he re-asked the question. And she literally, with camera cameras on, believing she had license to do this because she knew she had the blind support of the media and the public, she basically rolled her eyes and huffed and walked away and didn't respond to his question. That right there was very telling of who she is. Mm. Very careful what she did to that reporter. And evading the question. When you evade a question, you have something to hide. That's what I teach in media training. And I was like, yeah, this is not jiving well with me. So yeah, the support on the article has been massive and it's allowed people to express themselves and their feelings about how the facts have been skewed and the and the deceptive persuasion that's being used. Uh, you know, so I'm super grateful for, for the fact that um, people crave truth and facts through this pandemic, which they should, and they should demand the truth and facts. Absolutely. I'm curious, have you heard from Bonnie Henry's office or from government? No, you know, and part of me, part of me was sure that they would have a coordinated, uh, you know, their hacks would have a coordinated attack. She does work with an external PR company. And so I wondered if they would have an external attack, but I realized they realized there might be risk in that because it'll be quite uh, transparent that that's what's happening. And, you know, how do you create these fake accounts? There's a few, but I don't think it's a coordinated attack. Like I said, there's only been a handful of people. If anything comes out now, it'll definitely be seen as a coordinated hack attack. And I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to expose it. No, I have not heard from um, Bonnie Henry. I had texted Adrian Dix. If I have the right number, I don't know if I still do. I'm pretty sure I do. If I had the wrong number, I'm sure the person would have said, hey, wrong person. Um, I texted him long before I wrote this article. 
And I, I, you know, I said something's got to change in the pandemic plan. I'm going to say this here. I'm willing to offer my crisis services to BC for free Mm. if they're willing to take them. I want to help BC get through this. And as a service to my community, my home, I was born and bred in BC. And I'm willing to offer my services for free if they'll have them, if they're ready to have direct communication. That's a generous offer. We'll certainly share that when we promote this podcast and put it out there and we'll see if anyone takes you up on that offer. I know it hasn't been a lot of time. We figure about three weeks since the article went live. Have you noticed any kind of a change or is it business as usual in terms of the communication? I thought I had. I shouldn't say I thought I had. I I actually had to stop tuning in to Bonnie Henry's briefings. I was having anxiety watching them because I feel like BC has been misled in many ways and she continues to mislead. In crisis, we need clear directive and clear communication. But every time she says, as I've always said, as I've always said, but no, you didn't always say, and we need you to be more direct. And if that means conceding, it means conceding. Be brave, show your leader, true. show your true leader. So I stopped watching the briefings and I didn't watch the next day's briefing because some people on social media wondered if she would address what I said or if if that would come up. And I was like, I don't even want to hear it if it does. I'm not suggesting that I'm, in, I'm important at all, but some people on social media and I thought, I'm just not going to tune in. And then a couple of friends of mine who had tuned in said they felt that she had changed her style. They felt she was being more direct. And I thought, really? Huh. Okay. I'll go with that. If they say that they're credible friends of mine and I'll believe that. But if it was true, it was short-lived because I tuned in in the next few and and it was the same type of communication. It was just a lot of spin, uh, which is deceptive communication and not clear. And it confuses the masses. We don't need confusion in a pandemic. I tuned out again. Mm. It's unfortunate to hear that, right? Because uh, we're all looking for information. We're all trying to pay attention. And when it dissuades us from doing so, there's clearly something not right going on. You touched on this a a little bit too about the vaccination rollout and the phase we're in now, but is there additional spin doctoring going on around the health of the vaccines, how to get them, who's eligible, or has that been fairly straightforward from your point of view? I think it pissed a lot of people off when after the spring break fiasco in Whistler, which Bonnie Henry had calculated, but didn't act on and miscalculated by relaxing restrictions. And then we saw exponential increase her offering the vaccine uh, to all age groups working like from certain age, young age, 18 to whatever to Whistler when they're the super spreaders uh, pissed a lot of people off who've been waiting for vaccines, waiting diligently for their turn and, and being rule followers and not being the ones that hit Whistler on spring break at spring break, you know, and then it was spun as well. These are essential workers that we're, you know, these are essential youth and working in essential jobs. And it was like, okay, really that spin, you've already said that they're super spreaders partying and whatever, not necessarily in the context of COVID. Now you're trying to tell us, well, it's because they work in essential jobs. So which is it? We also have essential um, jobs here, uh, youth working in restaurants here. So why not them here? Very confusing. The spin on it as them being essential workers, we have essential workers waiting here, even for frontline responders had to wait too long. Like that didn't make sense. The other vaccine message that it's not just BC that's been doing it, but Canada is around AstraZeneca. I mean, they've been touting it as safe and it's safe and it's safe. And they keep saying blood clots are rare and the media keeps reporting them as rare. And yet we are seeing blood clots. And then you read stories of actually don't take it. It's better to take the other two because they, the science on those is better but but the premier and Adrian Dix and Bonnie Henry have just touted it like the next Apple product. 
you know, your best vac- shots, the first shot you get, and the best vaccine and AZ, and I'm comfortable and I'm going to do an AZ, 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 AZ. And then they have to change their mind. Again, you got to be careful with spin because then you got to change your mind later when new science becomes available. So that's messaging that's really upset the masses as expressed on social media. You know, social media is a good gauge of what's happening, uh, you know, the temperature of where people are at right now. And that is, is the, you know, the vaccine rollout giving favors to people in Whistler was upsetting to people. Mm-hmm. Understandably, for sure. Do you have any advice for the general public or readers who are maybe feeling like you, they can't directly uh, watch another news conference? Maybe they have some concerns about ensuring the accuracy of the information that they're reading and listening to. What would you suggest to someone who's trying to make sense of everything and get to the truth? It's quite tough. What I started doing is just logging into CDC's website and seeing what they say about airborne transmission. And I've I've tried to use them as a credible source. The first article, uh, the first column I wrote for BIV about the pandemic last year, I had encouraged people to look for information from credible sources, not knowing at that time that BC would not be a credible source for information. It'd be a confusing source for information. And so I've relied on the CDC for as much current information as I can get. I've tried not to Um, you know, if you Google different regions around the world, some people are saying one thing, others are saying another, so it can get very confusing. Some countries are letting their government officials lead, some are letting scientists lead, and that sort of thing. So I've just, uh, I say to people, just go to the CDC's website, see what they're saying. And, you know, if, if you, you know, implore your media, the local media to scrutinize the the news conferences more what's coming out of their mouths but wait a minute you said this and you haven't quite canceled that advice yet you know and you're still not saying airborne transmission you just refuse to say those words just like she refused to say masks are now mandatory in schools for certain grades she said masks are now supported she refused to use the word mandatory because it would mean conceding to her most vocal critics teachers and parents she just wouldn't do it her ego wouldn't let her that is, that is very weak leadership, not what we need in a public health emergency. And I believe this is why we find ourselves in a phase two and phase three of this thing when we were doing so well in, in phase one. Yeah, I think that, well, it's very clear now that the congratulatory remarks, the pats on the back were far too premature after a relatively short phase one, far too yeah, premature. Well, book is is a uh, um, testament to that as well. I mean, wait a minute, you're supposed to be really busy right now uh, planning our way out of this, but you're writing a book. And um, the other thing is I wish the New York Times will correct, will do an updated article on Bonnie Henry. They did a very glowing profile. You know, the victory laps were already being run after, after wave one. We were obviously um, not out of the woods. And I wish the New York Times will revisit BC and Dr. Bonnie Henry and how we are looking now and things that have changed, especially public sentiment. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if they do. Final question, Renu, uh, not that you maybe ever thought Bonnie Henry was the person for the job, but at this point in time, should she continue to fill that position or who might you like to see lead us through this hopefully final stage of the pandemic? From the group we can choose from, I would suggest that our premier now take over the microphone. Of course, he's gonna be led by the scientists behind him and his messaging will be informed by them. And yes, Dr. Bonnie Henry will still help inform that messaging. She's part of the public health team, but he's more direct in many ways. Yes, the AstraZeneca spin, 
whatever. But I like his more direct approach. I did like his direct approach when he addressed youth. And then he was called out for directing youth and people were like, oh, but they work in essential jobs. But he was like, wait, he's like, you know, then he was forced to apologize. I don't think he should have apologized for that. He was politicking and pandering when he apologized. What he said about youth was actually bang on. We're seeing young people partying on Granville Street. We're seeing them, you know, uh, breaching in people's faces, breaching uh, or public health orders. And he, he had a right to scold them like a father. I appreciated that messaging. Maybe it's because I'm 51 years old and I'm an old biddy thinking, oh yeah, good, let's yell at the youngsters right now. He wasn't saying no, that, you know, they don't work in uh, uh, um, official, you know, essential jobs. He wasn't disrespecting in that regard, but he was talking directly about parties and what we were seeing on the streets. And, you know, I think Dr. I think Dr. Henry should step back and I think the premier should take the mic again, choosing from the lot that we have. He's more direct. He's more firm. And that's what we need. I think we need that leadership right now. And um, again, direct communication in a crisis is extremely critical. That's the key. Well, I'm going to let you go. I will see if the province takes you up on your offer. I hope they, I hope someone listens to this podcast and you'll have to let us know if they do, because that'll be interesting well, to see. I will definitely let you know if they do. It would mean, of course, I'm not making a living for a while, but I'm willing to do that. That's how upset I am right now. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and for writing what was by all accounts, a very brave article. It's not easy to come out with what can be seen as an unpopular position, but based on the feedback seems that you actually have a lot of people out there agreeing with what you had to say. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Renu Bakshi, founder of Renu Bakshi Communications, a columnist for BIV. And as I mentioned, if you want to read this column we're talking about, you can find it readily at BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden, executive editor at Business in Vancouver. Thanks so much for listening to our show, BIV Today. You can subscribe to our show if you like it at BIV.com slash audio or on your favorite podcast app. For now, that's it for our show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode tomorrow. 